I think just probably the mindset, just having more confidence in myself and being worthy of myself to be able to just go out there and race. Like, I think when I started triathlon and doing these, I didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged or that I should be able to do this because I didn't grow up as an athlete, you know? And so I've kind of always felt like I don't belong here, you know, like, so I think just the confidence has built through the years that I do belong here and I can do this and I can do it well. So let's put it on the line. I don't care if I explode. My mindset at that time was I didn't care if I exploded. I just want to catch third place. If I catch him and I and I falter, that's okay. I, I just want to put myself in the position to to catch up to him. And so I finally did, I want to say seven or eight miles left to go. I passed him because when I got to aid station five, I was in third, according to Holly, um, Skip's wife from Hillsburg Running Company. So when I got up to him, he was like, he was just so relieved. He said, I'm so relieved. Now I can just, now I can just relax a little bit. Cause he, I think he felt in the words that he shared, he felt that I was, someone was coming. <laughs> um, and it was me. <laughs> I think my work with Lake Sonoma is finished for now. I said, for now, it's not one of those things where I'm like, I must go back and finish that race. Cause that's the only way I'm worthy. I know better than that now, especially from the first one to this one. The first one taught me I'm worthy no matter what. This one taught me sometimes you need to do things for yourself that maybe not everybody else is going to understand. And that by training your mind, you truly, it just comes back to that quote. I keep coming back to it again and again is no effort is a waste. There is no failure. I think in this world, we need to start redefining and stop using the word failure. It's not a failure. There is no failure because there's always something you learn from whatever it is that you're in the moment doing. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. We are vibrational beings living in a vibrational universe. And at some point, we're all going to get on board with that in this lifetime or another. And I am not stepping back from that message. And we do have the ability to be the masters of our mind. We do have the birthright to live a life of joy, to live the life we desire. We are not here to punch a clock and be miserable. Um, life is too short. It can be taken in an instant. It could be taken from me today. I don't know. Um, so to really cultivate an attitude of gratitude is everything. If, if you are done with highs and lows and ebbs and flows, you know, your experience within that, then begin training the mind. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, I'm your host, but I'm here with three other co-hosts today. I've got all the YT coaches with me. We are going to do an ultra smackdown, Lake Sonoma 50 and the Mendocino 50K, which just went down yesterday. It's Sunday morning, the day after the ultra. We're all exhausted, little punchy, caffeinated somewhat, um, probably dehydrated, I think I'm the only one that slept last night, so we're going to see how this rolls out, but it's so important to catch it when we're, we're ripe and, uh, and the memories are fertile and the feelings are still in, uh, in our memories, you know, till we get to that point where you forget about it and you sign up for another. So 
We're going to start off. So I've got Beej with me, head coach. I've got vegan-powered athlete, Daniel, triathlon coach. And I've got Liz, our running coach, and of course me, the mindset coach for Yogi Triathlete. Um, we're going to start off with Liz, who was just up at the Lake Sonoma 50, um, who for the past mm, three years has been completing her PhD uh, with the Lake Sonoma 50. And it has been quite a journey, which now feels like it's come to completion. And I think... It's a really cool way that it all play, played out. So, Liz, why don't you just take us through, like, leading up to it and take us through the day. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, two weeks ago was the Lake Sonoma 50, and leading up to it, my training was going really well. I went to California with my daughter to... She was doing our senior project, so we, I got to live in California for three weeks, super excited. I was ready to really get some great training in, given that the winters in New England can be iffy and dicey, and I knew coming out to California, I could really get in some quality Lake Sonoma 50 training. And it started out that way um, until it didn't. <laughs> <And> <laughs> going to hear that again today. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had some opportunities that showed themselves on my left leg, and the mind really wanted to know where it was coming from, what was happening, why were my expectations not playing out. However, I, myself, my inner being knows better that the mind's always going to want to know, and that's not what this was about. There was definitely definitely a lesson and a journey there for me. And I just, from that point, was doing whatever I could to keep the momentum moving forward. So I would walk, walk, run. When I got home, I was able to bike. While I was in Cal, I was swimming, which was a huge one for me. And I got home and continued the training, doing whatever I could to move forward. And there was some running, there was hiking. There was a good weekend of 29 miles, even though it was broken up into pieces. And then, but uh, during this whole time, I just kept receiving messages from the universe that I was to just have faith and trust that everything would play out exactly as it was meant to. There was a divine plan for me Although there was a little part of me that thought the divine plan was to finish. <laughs> but the universe said, that's not what we meant, Liz. That's not what we meant. Um, but I was actually very calm all the way up to the race, through the race. It was an amazing experience for sure. Um, I... Normally, the old me, the old pieces of me, the old stories and beliefs would have challenged me even getting on the start line, given the opportunity I was having in my left leg. But I knew better. I knew that in order to fulfill whatever the divine plan was, I needed to get on that start line and have whatever experience I was meant to have, whether that was finishing, getting to an aid station and being told I couldn't go on, or what I truly learned was I was the one that needed to call it for myself. And I gave my absolute best that day. I 
I start I ran super strong. I was crushing it through warm springs, absolutely crushing it. I was not holding back. I was giving everything I had. And once I passed warm springs, there was some more climbing that got involved and my <laughs> just a little. And um my left oppor- leg opportunity just started to show itself and I just but I never fell into old stories and beliefs. I had just these things I was saying to myself only devotion, no emotion, keep moving forward, um, right here, right now. Um, and I just, can I surge now? Can I do a little bit of running? Can I just hike strong? And no matter what I was doing, I never stopped. I never stopped until I got to a point where I was past Madrone, which was 18.6 miles. And I got, I would say I was around mile 20. And I just knew looking at my watch, unless I was going to be teleported, there was no way I was going to make it to the turnaround. But I had already known deep in my inner being that even if I made it to the turnaround, for me, it was time for me to call it because I knew that was best for me. And I, it was coming from my inner being. It wasn't my mind creating stories. I knew that to try to turn around and do, would not moved me forward with what I'm meant to do the rest of this year. And that was the real learning for me that day. And I was absolutely at peace, calm. I was cheering for the people coming by me. Um, I even met a little snake that popped up in a hole. And I literally, like, I never, there were no tears. Like, there were absolutely no tears. I felt pure joy getting to be out there. I was thanking my body every moment that I was still moving forward. Um, And there's this one moment that's probably my favorite moment of the day where I had passed Warm Springs and I was going towards Madrone Point. And this is where I started to see some of the top males coming back. And I want to say this man was in fourth place. And I remember him very clearly because he was coming and I moved off. And he said to me, no, no. He's like, there's enough room on this trail for both of us. And I looked at his number, and I'm getting goosebumps. As it was four, 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 and I ha- I still have to look up and see who he was. Like I'm like I'm hoping he's real. So, <laughs> but um, it was just that kind of day, like where I was getting those messages. So, yeah, that's what happened at Lake Sonoma. I think. Um I think what you just described is not luck, meaning like where your mindset was. I think it's the everyday training your mind. And it's it's so funny because I can hear you articulating it and I can feel how difficult it is to articulate something like that because the only way that you will be able to grasp what Coach Liz is talking about is when you train your mind and you experience it. And I think that whatever the expectation you had, right, we always have the expectation of the finish line, but there was a whole other purpose to how that unfolded. I mean, I really think you like, you went to, you got an advanced degree uh, with the Lake Sonoma 50. Would you agree? I would totally agree. And I've even, so the other day, my daughter was asking me, who's with me on this trip in Mendo, if I would ever do the Lake Sonoma 50 again. And I, I seriously looked at her and I said, I think my work with Lake Sonoma is finished for now. I said, for now. It's not one of those things where I'm like, I must 
go back and finish that race because that's the only way I'm worthy. I know better than that now, especially from the first one to this one. The first one taught me I'm worthy no matter what. This one taught me sometimes you need to do things for yourself that maybe not everybody else is going to understand and that by training your mind, you truly, it just comes back to that quote. I keep coming back to it again and again is, no effort is a waste. There is no failure. I think in this world, we need to start redefining and stop using the word failure. It's not a failure. There is no failure because there's always something you learn from the whatever it is that you're in the moment doing. And what gets in the way of not being able to like to see that everything is a lesson and not a hardship? Like what, what gets in the way of that where somebody can't see that? It's, not training the mind. It's the impulses of the mind that take over your viewpoint of the world and disconnect you from your inner being. (laughs) That sounds pretty damn good. Uh, That's amazing, Liz. And I can, I know you so well. I'm sitting right next to you right now and I can feel the completion. Like I can feel the, the clear, the purity of the energy that you have around it. Um, I can typically sense into those things and it feels really, feels really good. It feels very complete for me too, as, as somebody that gets to be, um, is honored to be a guide on your path. Um, so before we started this podcast, we all picked medicine cards. So Liz, what was your card and what resonated with you today about the, um, the message? So I picked the lovely little porcupine. (laughs) And his message is, or her, is innocence. And it's a message I've been getting a lot this year is it's about childlike innocence, which I always look at that. It's a reminder to not take life so seriously and not get caught up in the chaos of the adult world of fear and greed and just a non-joyful experience in this world. And to go back to kind of what I've already been talking about, just sitting in the present moment, feeling full joy, and also not forgetting to enjoy and laugh on the journey here. Mm. Yeah, we take life too seriously. I way think, too seriously. Yeah, way too serious. I used to do it too. I know how that feels, oh, and I know poker, you did it too. The poker face when you come across the finish line. It's like, I gave my best. Like, Ur. Yeah, and then you're like, and then you're just like getting beat up in your own right. mind. Like, you're such a loser. No, I did my best, I swear. Yeah. Um, okay, beautiful. Awesome. Um, I hope you chime in more during this podcast today, but I'm going to switch it over to the boys who were newbies on the Mendocino 50K course and pretty much showed us all how it was done yesterday. Yes, they showed us how it was done. So So insane, you guys, your performance. It was... It was insane to look at BJ's average pace and to realize that, like, that's what I do my 800s at, you know, like six of them. Um, just amazing. So amazing. So, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. Let's, uh, let's start with your medicine card and then just take, it, take us, like, through your day. And then if you guys have questions throughout, just chime in, okay? My medicine card today was the weasel, which is stealthy and... Um, powers of observation. Um, and I took away from this, it's the biggest thing I think I took away from this is that I'm very much a, um, a people watcher. And that's kind of similar to the weasel, how he watches and hears what's going on, even though might not 
necessarily see him. Um, the other thing about the weasel that struck me was it says he's a loner and hides himself away from others. Um, and that's totally me in the past. Totally me in the past. Um, very introvert. Did not did not want to be seen at all. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I took away from that. Well, now, now it's like... Did you see Daniel? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we saw him. <laughs> because they see the beard, they see the out front, they see the green VPA. Like, you cannot not be seen. <laughs> Can't miss me anymore. How does it feel? Are you getting more comfortable with it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like anything else. The more you put yourself out there, you know, into the fear or the unknown, it becomes easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that Daniel does not exist, exist anymore. anymore. <laughs> but I see, I see you watching me. Yeah. <laughs> and me too, actually. There's, there's, there's actually something really cool. I mean, I love to study humans, right? Like, that's one of my favorite things is just to, like, watch, and myself included, my, my own human. But it's, um, we can learn a lot through the powers of observation. But the key is to turn those powers in, which I think, I think you've done so well. So tell, tell us about your day yesterday. Uh, seventh place overall, totally yeah. sick, dude. Amazing. I mean, I really had no expectation of doing that well. I mean, I was, I was, <laughs> I was hoping for a top ten age group, maybe. I was like, you know, but top ten overall is just amazing, and that course is, is just so beautiful. Um, highly recommend for sure. The whole event, everybody said, everybody, the volunteers, the food, all vegan, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, great event, but it's just beautiful going through the forest, going through the ferns, and then hitting the coast. It's just, oh, and it's just good thing I did not take my phone because I would have n- not made the cutoff because I'd be taking pictures the entire time. <laughs> like Aurora on the team. <laughs> she got lost. Yeah. yeah. If you're taking pictures during a race, don't post them where BJ can yeah. see them. If you're coached under BJ, don't do it. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's hard to like. Every once in a while, I would like take in the views, and then it's like I come back to, oh shoot, I haven't seen a blue flag in a while. <laughs> Did it go off course? <laughs> so yeah, you definitely had to like you had to stay focused on your the the floor so you don't trip, and then looking for the blue flags for sure. So there's a lot of focus going on. What were um, any frustrating points or any points where you had to like work the mind? Um, there's several frustrating points in several areas I had to work the mind, but I think the first one, <laughs> I mean, definitely going out the first three miles, three, four miles to the first aid station, the mind was like, I can't keep this pace up for 30 plus miles, but it was like, it's okay. I'm okay with whatever happens at the end. So I was, I was prepared to just, you know, whatever happened, happened. If I blew up, I blew up. But I wanted to race this. I've never, this is only my second 50K. The first one I did not race. Um, and to like actually have the mindset to race it, just to go for it and just do it. Um, yeah, it's just unbelievable. So that was a lot of fun um, through four miles. And then once you hit the start hitting the hills, um, mile six was challenging mentally because 
I kind of got lost. Well, I didn't get lost. I was still on course. I just got confused because there was a red flag and I thought it was, I was off course. So I was going back and forth. And then this whole group that I had made a gap on through the hills all showed up. I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> so then it was like, and then finally one guy went up ahead because we we're all, at that point, I confused everybody and everybody kind of stopped. And then one guy went up ahead and around the corner and found the next blue flag and screamed out. So then we all, all went. And then at that point, I was like, I got to I gotta put another gap in. <laughs> so I just, at that point, it was really steep downhill. And I just bombed down that downhill as fast as I could and, until I couldn't hear or see anybody. And then I was like, okay, I got a good gap. Um, and then mile 12 to 13, that was challenging because it was it's like that it's that grade where it's like almost it's too steep to run but if you hike it it's like so I was like confused like should I run this should I hike it but every time I started running my heart rate was like through the roof and I was like so that part I, I walked or hiked a lot of it to that aid station I think it was third aid station um yeah, so that was challenging, just like trying to figure out like, and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, that group's behind me. If I hike this, then they're going to catch up with me. And right before the aid station, some guy, like all of a sudden, was like on my shoulder. I didn't hear him. And it, at that point, it's so quiet in the forest. You could hear like anything. And I looked back a few times and didn't see anybody. And then all of a sudden, this guy was just like on my on my shoulder. And then at that point, I could hear him. I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> Maybe like, he was stealth like the weasel. Yeah. He seriously <laughs> popped out of the tree. And then, so then we got to the aid station, and aid station three is the one that they have um, your your special needs bags, or I don't know, Iron Man calls them special needs. I don't know what they call them. Uh, this is not an Iron Man. It's a drop bag. <laughs> drop bag. A there drop you go. bag, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All the little trailer runners are agreeing, like, oh. In the sky. There's a lot of eye rolling happening. I know. <laughs> Who let these triathletes on the trail? So I had done, I did a drop bag for my extra fuel. So I pulled out my two bottles I had, threw them on the counter. Um, we found our, it took a little while to find the bag. We found both of, us, both of us found our bags kind of at the same time. And then I just grabbed my bottles, threw them in, and just took off. I'm like, okay, and it was kind of a flat fire road at that point. I'm like, okay, this is my opportunity to like get away from this guy. <laughs> and so I didn't see him again until like mile 20. Yeah, so then I was like, all of a sudden he was with two other guys. I'm like, no, <laughs> what is going on? So it was like, it's almost, it's almost like that mile six gave me the motivation because they're like, right there behind me and I was like that was more motivating than trying to like catch BJ like at mile six is also at the point where I lost BJ he just slightly got out of sight of of me and then when I saw that red flag I was like well did they go somewhere else so that's why I kind of went back real quick so yeah so then it was more motivating the people behind me than trying to like catch BJ at that point. Was like, BJ your moving blue ribbon? Is that what happened? Like you were like BJ well like you were following BJ like on the like he was your course marker and then when you lost sight of him? I guess no. I mean <laughs> it was almost like my pacer for six miles. <laughs> but then he'd like yeah, then he just slowly started getting a little farther away. So what happened when the dude got you at twenty? Like did these guys pass you? So, or did you keep the gap again? So at 20, 
so they stayed like I think it was, so about 20, I started hearing people, like, chatter. I'm like, where is that chatter? So every time, like, you make a turn, and then you hear the chatter for a while, but then you go straight out, and then you lose the chatter. So I'm like, well, they're close, but they're not that close. But then every turn, it was like, okay, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. (laughs) So. feels like my race. (laughs) And so there was three of them. And then um, at mile 23, right before the next, I think it's the next stage station. No, that's 21. 21. Okay, when I so, saw you. So I must have heard them maybe about 18 oh, or so. Yeah. And then at 21. So then um, at that point, it was like a climb, another climb to the aid station. And um, Yeah, you could say that. That was a super steep climb. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Where? Up to aid station four. Aid station four. Right. <laughs> it's the one on the road when you go to take the left and you run on the road for a little bit. So, yeah, when I heard them at about 18, every time I had an opportunity to, like, run downhill as fast as possible to create a gap, I would create a gap. And it seemed like every time we were climbing, they were gaining. So when we were doing that climb, they were gaining. They were pretty much right behind me, all three of them. I'm like, shoot. And then um, as it flattened out, I started running again. And then um, one other guy that was in the group, he kind of started running so then we were running next to each other. I'm like, go ahead <laughs> at that last pitch to the aid station. And um, he was the one that said to me, isn't it great op- or isn't it awesome that we get an opportunity to just walk? And I was like, at that point, I'm like, no, it's so much better running. This is miserable. <laughs> My back did not like the climbs, like the just the hiking climbs. My back was a wreck at that point. And then so he went off just that last little pitch before the aid station and then he didn't, he wasn't carrying anything, so he had to stop at the aid station. So then again, at that point, I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, as fast as I can. And I got to see that happen. Now I understand why, because we were all like, oh, my God, Daniel just blew by the aid station, and he's keeping going. Like he, And Clark was like, wait a second, you didn't say hello. <laughs> now I understand. Yeah. yeah, he looked awesome coming through that aid station. It was cool. So I had everything that I needed with me. I wasn't. I wasn't planning on stopping at any aid stations unless obviously there's something critical happened. But so that was my plan um, was just to run through. So at that point it was a flat road and I just, I I hammered as hard as I could. I mean, it felt like I was going six minute pace, but I look at my watch (laughs) and it's like nine and a half or something. I'm like, oh man. So then um, he again passed me. So that must have, so that was 21, you said. And then, um, I think it was 24 when he passed me again. And then he just, at that point, just was like gone. And then I never did see those other two guys again. But then, um, so at that point, I'm just like, I could not wait to get to like that grassy field that BJ had posted on our team. Uh, we have a team text message going. And BJ posted the day the night before this the last four miles and it's like this grassy field and like that's all I was envisioning I'm like just get me to that grassy field get me to that grassy (laughs) field because I was like over it and I could hear people again in chatter but this time I heard a female and I'm like so it's not the same unless there's like four of them now back there or there's so then um well I saw the two guys so no I did see the two guys and then I heard so I see the two guys, but then I heard a female talking to another guy. So I'm like, there's like four of them like on my toes. So um, I was just like, I don't know if I could keep this pace up. 
Like, and I just like every opportunity I had on the downhill, I just bombed the downhills, get as much gap as I could. And then um, I finally got to that grassy field. And the <laughs> first thought out of my mind was, this sucks. <laughs> this was the worst grassy field ever. It was like such a tight single track and it's really deep and my feet didn't even like fit in them. And I was like clanking my ankles. I was like, this is horrible. This is the worst. Yeah. So then it, then after that, all I could envision was the, I guess, re- remembering people talking about the the beach. So then you get down to the beach and then we're running along the bluffs and I'm like, when are we going down to the beach? <laughs> just get me down to the beach. So it's just, yeah. Um, so what people, if if you know the Mendocino 50K course, then you know exactly what Daniel's talking about. So you hit the last aid station with about four to five miles to go. I think it's about 4.6, 4.7 miles to go. But those 4.67 miles are so tough because you start with like a steep climb out of the aid station. Um, you skipped over the 200-foot um, rope descent yeah. down a cliff that we do, uh, and then the climb out of that ravine, which was like hand over foot over hand, like it was just straight up muddy. But yeah, then you get to the headlands, and the headlands is some of the toughest running because it's so narrow. It's like a trough, and um, and then you drop down onto the beach, and it's a deep sand beach. Uh, but m- my question is, so something I saw yesterday, which I'd never seen before is people were taking the beach all the way under the bridge up to the finish line, and there's actually a trail right before the you cross under the bridge, and you pop up onto that trail, and then you're in the parking lot. Yeah, I was one of those that <laughs> did the sand. And I'm running along the sand. I'm like, why am I running along the sand? And I remember seeing flags up by the parking lot. I'm like, there's got to be a way over there. I just did not see, as soon as it came down to the, the sand, I did not see any blue flags. I didn't know where to go at that point. Nobody was in front of me, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't know where to go. I just knew the finish line was on the other side of that bridge, so I just started running towards that bridge. Oh. And before that, before the, the rope descent, <laughs> um, that climb, so, you, no, yeah, so you go down the rope descent, that was another opportunity because, like, Yeah, can point, you take us through <laughs> your, your descent down the rope? Because none of us are cliff climbers or repellers. I mean, I don't think I did it right because my hands, <laughs> my hands were on fire because I just kind of like, I didn't, the guy below was like, go backwards and just like do one hand at a time. And I'm like, no, that's too slow. And I was just like, <laughs> my hands were like on fire. I mean, it was going backwards, but I was letting it You basically slide. did like a, fi- fire, like a firehouse yes. yeah. drop on the pole. But I yeah. got down and I was like so disoriented for some reason. My head was just like pounding. And he's like, the blue flag's over there. So I just started running, but I went left <laughs> instead of like crossing the little the little creek and going up the hill. And like I got to this dead end. I'm like, where's it at? I'm like, he's like, no, over here. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so then at that point, so I go back to start climbing. And then the girl and the guy were coming down the rope. And he's like, oh. And he told me I was in seventh. And then she would have been eighth and ninth. And so I was like, okay. So then I just climbed that thing as fast as I could. Um, I knew they were going to be right on my tail. So, And I saw the guy. The guy saw me after the finish line, and he came up, and he's like, we were so close to you. And then all of a sudden, you just put it in another gear. And I was like, <laughs> that when I saw them on the road out to the grasslands, I just kept looking back. And at that point, I'm like, this is my opportunity. I just got to get away and just like... <sighs> 
fun to race. It's yeah. so hard to race, but it's fun to race, isn't yeah. it? Oh, it's very hard. What very are, hard. What changed? Like you talked, you talked about shifting to racing versus basically participation. Like what what changed in your approach to like, okay, now I'm going to race this. Would it feel? What shifted in your mind? Like it's not about finishing. It's more about laying it all out there. Um, I think just I th- probably the mindset, just being you know having more confidence in myself and being worthy of myself to be able to just go out there and race. Like I think when I started triathlon and doing these, I didn't I didn't feel like. I belonged or that I should be able to do this because I didn't grow up as an athlete, you know? And so I've kind of always felt like I don't belong here, you know, like, so I think just the confidence has built through the years that I do belong here and I can do this and I can do it well. So let's put it on the line. And I think sometimes we forget because we're not professionals, right? We don't have our pro cards or we're not sponsored that we actually can be competitive. And that was another thing I learned at Lake Sonoma 50 was I could be competitive. And even if I, my best that I was still working on passing people (laughs) until I stopped. So I think sometimes everyone out there, listen to what Daniel just said we all have the opportunity to be competitive. And that comes from training the mind again, like and not letting the impulses of the mind tell you that A, you don't belong there, and B, you can't be competitive because that's just lies. It's untrue. Yeah. We, all have, we all have some sort of unworthiness. It doesn't matter who we are. I think professionals have it as well. I think we all have some level of it. And when we realize and acknowledge it, then we're like, okay, well, now let's just Let's just test the waters here because we're doing this for some reason. There's some reason we're, we're putting ourselves out there and doing the daily training and eating the right foods and getting good sleep. Like there's a reason why we're doing this. We, we all belong here. Something just gets in the way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So just uh, overall, how would you encapsulate your experience yesterday? I, I, the words aren't coming to me, but I mean, it was just an amazing day. Um, it was hard. I wanted to stop pretty much the entire time. And it's just like, <laughs> you just got to keep moving forward. And what resonated with me was the day before when we did the meditation, um, just did a, a meditation for the, for the race event. And what resonated with me was she said, every moment is a new beginning. And I used that throughout the entire race. Every time I get to that top of the hill and I wanted to walk for the next 100, 200 yards, I hit the top of the hill and I was like, no, this is a new moment. It's a new beginning. Start running. And it was like, you know, and when I started feeling like on the flats or the downhills, you kind of get into that slower, just kind of like slog. And I was like, no, this is a new beginning. Start running. Just go. And it just, I kept the entire race. I just kept going back to that. Just in this moment, in this moment, in this moment. And just, yeah. Mm. It's so awesome. Congratulations. That was an unbelievable performance. Considering you, you know, went back and forth on the drill for a little bit and, you know, you missed the thing uh, across from the rope descent, like that you still grabbed seventh place overall at a competitive race. It's so, so impressive. And that you're training, and that you're training for. Um, 
got the mic. We just had an off mic marital dispute that nobody nobody saw except for the people in this room. Um, but that Daniel's not training for an ultra. Like Daniel's training. We're, we've got an Ironman. We just he just did a seventy point three. He's got an Ironman World Championship in two weeks. So this is just like there's no reason why we can't play in both worlds and get fit and strong and do different things. Um, not necessarily how most have done in their lead up to a race. Like there's many ways to get there. And this is just one approach and having, having experience now, Daniel's going to be playing, has a absolute like confidence. I'll, I'll speak for him <laughs> that he can do a 70.3 and three weeks later, do a 50 K and then two weeks later, do a world championship Ironman. Like it's totally possible. And the only way, the only way you can actually begin to attempt to do that is if you have the belief first and then have the experience to see the information that proves that you can that you can do it. I think that's important because I think a lot of a lot of people have beliefs of how training should look. And when I've done any of my longer runs, so this is my second 50k and I did a a solo 50 miler. But late, the lead up to those were completely different and each event I always felt like I didn't really train for that event. Because I think I was always training for triathlon. Um, and people are like, well, how are you going to be able to do that? I mean, even, you know, I think last week somebody else on Team BPA was like, well, so you're one of those that just goes out and runs a 50K? And I'm like, well, no. I mean, I have <laughs> consistent training for the last couple of years that has, you know, built up a durable body that I'm able to go do these things now. Um, so I think that's important that it doesn't have to look a certain way or what you find in a book. Um, everybody's training is going to be different, you know, whether it's an ultra or a triathlon, doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So I think yesterday had massive value uh, to your performance in St. George. I mean, a course like that and that kind of distance and that kind of pounding and racing and putting out that effort, you've got enough time to recover. Like you're consistent, you eat well, you're you're meditating, you're doing all these good things that are going to help you bounce, but you're going to get a huge bang of fitness for this. It's going to help you so much in St. George, I think. We didn't even talk about the, forgot about the river crossing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that, was another one that, that was another one I got to it and I just, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? The, it's never been flowing like that. In like, the years I've done this race, it's never been flowing like that. It was like knee deep. It was whoa. good. It felt was like, so good. What am I supposed to do? I was like <laughs> so confused. You run through and it. And then last night I see that they sent out a video of how to do it the <laughs> night before. I'm like, well, if I would have seen that email, maybe I would have known. Because the bridge was basically gone. They had st- <laughs> they were stacked up on the other side of the river. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know that it wasn't that deep if you if you followed the video. It wasn't that deep and you could have just crossed. But so then I like went across the rails, but I mean feet completely soaked. So then for like four miles, all I could think about was I didn't put enough lube on my feet for that. I was expecting it to be wet, but I didn't expect to be like in the water. Yeah, there was a lot of water on the course so, yesterday. Yeah. It felt so good, though, on my feet. I kept seeking it out. Anytime there's a puddle, I went right in the middle of it. I was like, oh, I need some cold therapy. Um, amazing. One more thing. Yeah. We just want to quickly recap what you took in for nutrition. Oh, oh, yeah. I think that's people want to know that. So I the plan was I had five bottles so I could carry two on me, and I put three bottles in the pack for mile uh, or eight station three. Um, so it would have been 
one bottle <clears throat> basically an hour, and I had 360 calories of flow formulas in them. Um, I ended up only... So the plan was at aid station three, I was going to grab the two bottles plus one hand bottle, but my hands were still cold at that point. I'm like, and I couldn't even like grasp anything. So I was like, no, I'm not going to carry the bottle. And I didn't drink, um, I didn't even drink the two bottles at that point. So I downed what I could before I put the last one in. So when I was cleaning them out last night, I probably drank three and a half bottles versus the five I planned. So each bottle had 360 calories. So do the math on that. I'm not sure. And then the first, so right before the race, I took four goo blocks. And then um, an hour and a half in, I took four goo blocks. And then it was about three and a half hours in or three hours in, I took four more goo blocks. And then the last, um, I think it was about four, no, four, four and a half hours in, I took a Martin gel with caffeine. Um, yeah, that's all I took. So you took in probably around 13, 1400 calories. I'm thinking, because you did three of those bottles at 360? So three and a half of the bottles. Okay. Yeah. So three of those are, is 1080. So another, what? That's 360 divided by two. 180. 180 plus, and then, okay, so that's 1260, and then the blocks give another one, what, 120? 100 for four, I think. Yeah. Or 80 for four. 80 for four. Yeah, so and another 160, on and then what's the Martin? 100. Okay, so yeah, so almost 1600 calories for the day. Yeah. That f you feel like that was good? I felt that was good because of the temperature, I probably. Yeah. And calorie-wise, I mean, I felt fine calorie-wise. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a couple of low points where um, I struggled. Obviously, 12 to 13, I kind of struggled. And then <clears throat> I think it was mile 22-ish, I kind of was struggling. Um, but other than that, I didn't. I felt like my energy was good throughout. Cool. Awesome. Amazing performance. Beach, let's, uh, let's switch it over to you. This was your first trail race. Your first ultra, um, although you are known by the race director as a Mendo veteran, <laughs> I can spectate like the like a champ. Um, so start with your medicine card and what resonated with you, and then tell us about your day. So I my card was spider, uh, which is weaving, which I've had many many times. It's a good one, I guess. Um, actually, because Clark ate the card, so we had to make a new card <laughs> with the extra cards that they provide you. You guess? I guess. You guess the card's good? Yeah, I guess the card is good. <laughs> no, it is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> this is calling me out. Um, yeah. What do I take away from this? Well, uh, some of these, when you do these cards, some of the stuff resonates, some doesn't, and I... The thing that I pick out of it is um, it's just to get moving, find joy, um, and new ideas and the accomplishments uh, of others and use them to propel me forward in a new phase of creative spinning of my own web of delight. So, so it's, it's sort of like stagnation um, and a lack of creativity. And so use the energy of others, use uh, movement, um, and use joy as a way to, to jumpstart that. And that's exactly what I did yesterday. 
my whole mission yesterday was to just have a blast, to have fun, to uh, smile often, um, to fi- to race from joy, and to just really, really um, go for it um, from the start. That was my goal, and so that's kind of why I was asking Daniel. I'm so glad he he ran with me for those first few miles. I know, and I saw him looking down every now and then, and at his watch. But I knew like we needed that flat section to 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 be strong going out, and it was probably. No, it wasn't probably. It was hotter than I would normally go out on a race. I mean, we walked up to the start line. I did some jumps because I was just excited. And then we ran it, and I, was, I think we were hitting 730s, 715 miles, um, somewhere around there, maybe eights. But we were with this group, and um, yeah, the chatter was was starting early. So <laughs> I kind of surged ahead. Daniel followed me. And as soon as we had some space, I could share with him why we had to do that. There was a little hill, and all of a sudden, like, <laughs> BJ like, just took off up the hill, and I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I got work to do. And Daniel, you're coming with me. Um, well, yesterday I asked BJ, before the race, I said, what's the plan, coach? And he said, go out hard and hold on. And I believe that's exactly what he did. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Yeah, I'm so glad you remember that, Liz. That's exactly what happened. Uh, I just partially why I knew there was no way I was going to catch him because I knew he was not going to let go, and I knew he was bombing those hills just as fast as I was bombing those hills. So I'm like, I'm not going to even see him again. So, yeah, the motivation was behind me. <laughs> so Daniel and I were together first five, six-ish miles, and it's this new route where you take at Eight Station Four. You go up uh, off the trail, off the um, the Big River Trail. And you go up into the, and it's a steady climb, but it's, you can kind of run it. And then you get to the top and you sort of descend just a little bit. And then you make this kind of hairpin turn. You get out on a trail, but then you have to go left again. And right there, I had lost Daniel a little bit before that. And I just, I started to just bomb. It was like an awesome descent. And I, and I just, I had a moment of remorse. I'm like, I just wish Daniel was right here behind me. I feel bad that I'm like having so much fun in this experience going super fast and having uh, a mantra of mine was just like quick feet, quick feet, quick feet, because you can, you find steps uh, along the way that aren't on root on uh, roots or rocks or, you know, mud. And I'll get into that in a little bit as this is my first trail experience, but I love the downhills. And I caught up with this guy and I, I think we had gone through aid station two, and I kind of felt like I was in fifth place. Like at that point, I was in fifth place. So this guy in front of me was fourth place. And I was like, okay, well, if I can stick with him for the rest of the race, fourth place, fourth or fifth is not that bad. Like top five in a race, that's amazing. And so I just, I kept following him for a while and he would destroy me. And obviously he was a trail runner because on the downhills, he definitely distanced himself from me as I was carefully stepping around the mud and the slippery <laughs> sections and the water uh, and not really bombing down that strong until I could find like some some solid footing. And so I was behind him for a lot, like a lot of the a lot of that section, only until we were approaching aid station three. Is that what the drop bags? Yes. Aid station three. So just before that, maybe a mile, there's a climb up there. And he sort of said, okay, go ahead. And I was like, all right, why is he doing that? And he got on the back of me. So I'm like, okay, well, is this kind of like triathlon? Like somebody pulls and, and that guy drafts and then you pull and you draft. And I'm like, okay, I get it, etiquette, sure. 
But then I'm like, I started to pull away from him. And then I just felt this like, felt this overwhelming sense of, I, just, I have to run my pace. Like even though, and I was breathing heavy. I was starting to breathe heavy as soon as we were bombing down that hill. So mile six, I was breathing heavy. So I guess for 30 or 24 miles, it's like mm-hmm. on. And I got to aid station three and I looked back, probably the only time I looked back and he wasn't there, but I could hear someone coming. <laughs> and so I got into the aid station, got the goo, had my bottle already open, filled up with goo, roctane, stuffed it in my pack and was out of there. He was getting in there. I don't know if he grabbed a bag or not. Oh, he was trying to grab goo, roctane, I think, because he's waiting for me. And I just bombed out of there, um, out of that aid station three. And that's when you get out on the the Jeep road and it's kind of like undulating, but then it's this a, a strong descent. And I, this is to me, I just get into that mode of like tempo work, just hold this tempo pace. I don't, I didn't look at my watch. It would beep every mile. I would just have a feeling of, you know, I'm going strong. I, I can do this all day. I can do this all day. And, um, and I actually never saw him again after that. And actually, actually after the race, he, uh, he said, man, you just, you took off out of aid station three. And I just never, I never saw you again, um, and that was that was just reassuring. Like I had, I had the effort. Like I had that ability to keep holding that effort. So I was just I was enjoy basically this whole race. So I knew I was in fourth, and I just kept saying, "This is this is the, so amazing!" I was like screaming out loud in the woods, like, "This is so cool! This is awesome! I'm having so much fun!" And nobody was listening except the, <laughs> except nature. <laughs> But it really is quite a spiritual experience. Uh, the other mantra I had was, I am, I am spirit, I am not the body. I am spirit, I am not the body. Uh, and that, that was coming strong because you, you feel sensation in the body, the feet, the hips, the glutes. Your breathing is pretty heavy. And uh, the quads begin to um, feel sensation. So when I focus on spirit too, I, I firmly believe there's something higher at play here. Uh, and when you're in nature like that, again, this is my first trail experience racing. You elevate to feeling the pulse of the woods and the sound of your feet and the breathing and the silence and stillness and the, and the, the rays of just sunlight that come through and the, the moments of just disbelief at this place is so beautiful and so green that this can actually be reality. Um, and again, I'm glad too, I didn't have my phone with me because I definitely would have stopped. It did feel like a movie set. <laughs> like it's just that beautiful. Yeah, I don't know if you can, and you guys have tried, Liz and Jess, I know you guys have described it, like Fern Gully, and, and I don't think it does it justice until you're actually in there experiencing it. Um, and so, yeah, I was flying and I didn't let up. I just said, don't slow down, don't slow down until um, you make that really sweet descent. It's like a U-turn. It might be where skip normally is and it's like, take a left. And then you bomb down this narrow, the actual, tr- the trail's kind of wide, but the, the path is is really, really narrow. You can run to the side or right on the on the blazing tra- uh, path. And it, I was just flying. I think I looked down at my watch at that point after that mile and it was, it was 649 or 650 pace. So I knew I was like, I'm going to destroy my quads even before I get to like 16, 17 miles. It's okay. It's okay. I'll deal with that later on. So I just kept pushing, pushing, hydrating, fueling, getting myself 
um, rarely ever walking, except now that I remember that section where you start going up to aid station four. I remember it now. It's like a it's like a quick little hit left and then right, and then you just go up. And so I would walk a little bit, and then it kind of flattens out, and you can run a little bit, and then you hike, then you run a little bit, then you hike, and then you can kind of carry a, a somewhat grueling, balanced run up up to um, up to aid station four. And that's when I saw Wendy taking photos uh, from the team, and they said I was second or third. And I was like, ah, that's just not, I feel like I'm fourth. Um, and then when I got up to aid station four, I got in there and I was like, goo, goo. And they're like, you know, and I got to be very specific about goo roctane goo drink because everybody's like trying to give you the goo gels. But I wanted the drink. So I got the drink. I'm filling it up and asked, uh, you know, where am I? And they said, you're in fourth. And I said, well, how far is third place? And they said, he just left here two minutes ago. And I, and I said, why am I talking to you guys? I got to get out of here. So <laughs> I blitzed out on that road um, and just hauled. I hauled that road as fast as I could. Like Ironman run. Like I was just running so hard on the road because I was like, this is what I do. I do road. Like I can do this. I can do this fast. I don't care if I explode. My mindset at that time was I didn't care if I exploded. I just want to catch third place. If I catch him, and I and I falter. That's okay. I I just want to put myself in the position to to catch up to him. And so I finally did. I want to say seven or eight miles left to go. I passed him because when I got to aid station five, I was in third, according to Holly um, Skip's wife from Hillsburg Running Company. So when I got up to him, he was like. He was just so relieved. He said, "I'm so relieved now. I can just now I can just relax a little bit because he. I think he felt in the words that he shared. He felt that I was someone was coming, <laughs> um, and it was me. <laughs> so I like blazed past him. I just didn't look back, and I, I gotta I gotta you know push push through this and and be really strong through here. And then probably the longest stretch of the race is going into that campground. Wow, that road is just so so long. You think you think it's ending. You think you're going to see the campsite. You think you're going to see the aid station. And backtracking, I've I've spectated this race number of years, and I always I come to that campground to spectate. So I'm, I always see people go or come in. I'm like, it can't be that long. It was really long. I want to say two <laughs> miles long, if that, or maybe it more. It feels so. It so just long. never ends. And I I knew that it was the never ending part. There's a couple never ending parts. That's one of them. But that is leading just to let people know that's leading into the last aid station when you found out that you were. Holly said you were in third. That confirmed I was in third. That and I passed the guy. You. I knew I was yeah. in third because he also said, "You're you're chasing a podium spot. I mean, you're in a podium spot right now." Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. And the ch- tough thing about that campground, too, is it's flat, but it's kind of uphill. It's a false flat. Yeah, it's a false flat, and you have to run it. You can't walk it. No. You don't run it. No. And you do run it. Oh, yeah, you do run it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not a great paved surface either. So there's like holes, and you're trying to go around. Oh, but they have good rhythm. Yes, yes. And then I towards know section, the end yeah. now, Liz, it's, it's different. Like they've put. They've put stone, so you're just like running on stone, which feels so nice on your feet at mile 27. And you've got the, the regular campers and people who are just walking and stroll the families, so you're kind of like, 
okay, like yeah, you see the white sneakers coming, and you're just like, get out of my way. <laughs> and then I thought, then I thought, I haven't hit the waterfall yet. Am I off course? Like I haven't descended yet. I don't know. I thought it was well before the campground. Um, oh, the rope. The rope, yeah. Oh yeah. no, the rope, that, that the treat descent. comes later in the race. <laughs> so when I saw Holly, last four miles, I saw Holly. You know, and he reminded her who I was. She was like, "Oh my god, like you're in third. So I busted out of there and just surged really strong. I took my last gel. It was a cola, Guja cola gel, definitely caffeinated. All my gels were caffeinated. I was definitely flying, <laughs> and I was kind of blurry most of the race because I wasn't wearing my shades. So my eyes were teary. So I kind of was like, "What's like this? Is this normal?" Um, I guess it's normal. I didn't have my shades because it was you didn't really need them in there. So I was kind of battling with like, "Is my footing right?" Like, where? Like, um, so there was that going on. But I finally got to the. I pushed it to the the uh, the rope climb, and I started to descend down. Got down the first half, and when you kind of go under the. The one yeah, of the pilings the, there. So the you did the first pilings. half, and you were probably like, "Oh, that's not bad." Yeah, and, and then, then you the, then you get around the cement. Yeah, um, thing, and then you see what's next. Which describe that? Yeah, it's it's definitely much steeper, like fifty percent steeper. And there's a strategy and skill to doing it, which I'm so <laughs> glad that guy was there. He was like, "You might want to turn around and go <laughs> backwards down the." <laughs> people will find that much more. Uh, much easier. So I was like, oh, great. And then I'm like, I'm just, you just rope climb and you're like, you're so messy. Like, you're like swinging from side to side. And like Daniel said, like sometimes you're like, the nylon is just like, the rope is like going through your fingers and you're taking layers off of skin. And you, you kind of like disoriented, at least I was. And then I finally got down. I was like, oh, thank you. I was totally disoriented. <laughs> Good. I'm glad it was normal. And I, yeah, I hit that first part and I was like, that was a piece of cake. Why are they talking about this? And you turn that corner and go, oh. Yeah. And then crap. it's just a, a rock it's like face. Straight down. Yeah. It's like El Cap. Yeah. <laughs> El Cap. With water, with water all over it. So then you cross the stream and then you go up the other side and it's a steep, you know, you gotta use your hands to get up because it's kind of slippery too. And you get out into the, the road. And my goal then was just, I've run this before, I've run this section before in years past, was just don't, uh, don't slow down, which is a, a really, it, it's not necessarily speeding up because at that point you're using everything that you have, but it's just don't slow down. So I just kept trucking. I was breathing super heavy, hitting the road, then finally got on the headlands, which Daniel mentioned. And then that is when I finally, first, second time, I looked back and didn't see anyone at all. So I didn't see either of the two guys I was running with earlier. But that didn't mean I let up. My goal then was to see, I want to see how far off the lead I am at the end of the race by giving my best all the way to the end. Like I, I have the ability to catch. So I just, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing, got on the beach, went to the finish. And uh, there were a few people there, Sid and Linda. Which is cool. You, did you pop up onto the trail? Yes. Because you knew, knew that, that was there. I knew that. As soon as you go under the bridge, you pop up between the two rocks, you get on the road, you just like you drive in and you just hammer down that <laughs> that path. But that comes from experience of years past. Like I knew spectating, watching people come down that road, watching you two come down that road many times. So yeah, it was awesome. I think I didn't have any moments of like, this sucks, you know, 
um, at all. It was like, this is awesome. I love this. I love everything about it. I loved being out there with our whole team on the course. Like, as if it's a, it's a big loop, so we never get to see each other. But I just felt, I felt the energy of everyone, and that really, really brought some satisfaction and and gratitude to to my day. But amazing first race. I don't know how it happened. Doesn't matter how. I just, I really worked for that, and um, I don't know if I'll be back. We'll see. Mm. So impressive. So impressive, both of you. My God. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Anything else? Oh, nutrition? Oh, yeah. What'd nutrition, four goos. No, three goos and uh, liquid gel. And we we discerned this morning why you didn't win. Why didn't you win, BJ? Oh, man. So there was cola on the course, but I didn't see the cola or call out the cola because... Yes, things triathletes say. Usually there's cola out there in cups and people are like, Gatorade, water, cola. And I, and I never heard cola. So I just figured there wasn't any cola. BJ's just, just standing at the tables like, uh, are you going to call out what you have? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Works, newbie. And it's a cupless Total race, newbie. which is why yes. they gave you that cup at right. the beginning. I, yeah, when Holly asked me, do you want something? I was like, yeah, water. She's like, do you have your cup? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I had to reach around and grab my cup because that was the first time I had water. So I did Goot Roctane. The whole race. How many bottles of Roctane did you take in? At least five, uh, maybe five and a half. Um, so five and a half Goo Roctanes, two ibuprofen, bunch of BCAAs, a ton of salt at the end. I would say the last 10 miles, I was licking a t- just a ton of salt because my hamstrings were starting to tighten up. Mm. But uh, And then four gels. Yeah. All right, Jess, I want to, yeah. If you guys have questions too, as we go through, if you guys listen to the podcast, reach out to us. We'd love to expand on anything more. But Jess, how do I throw it down for you? What's our card? Oh, yeah, the yeah, card. Thank you, Daniel. All right, so my card, <laughs> Teamwork. Um, Teamwork. I'm not even going to reference it because I kind of know it, it's just so appropriate for what I experienced yesterday. So I got Crow, which is law. And it talks about, it's a long one uh, in the book. It's a long story. But it talks about like the spiritual law and human law and how they differ. And I think that really summed up my experience yesterday, uh, the contrast of having such a, a tamed, calm, like I was very content in the mind, but the wheels fell off early. And, you know, my strategy w- that I received from my coach uh, was similar to his own and similar to Daniel's, which was go out strong and hang on. I just didn't realize how early I was going to have to start hanging on. I don't think that's ever happened before, but I went out strong. I hit that first aid station at mile four, and there were hills, and I just bombed those hills. Like I probably passed between aid station one and two. I think I passed like eight women. And then aid station um, two to three, at the beginning, probably passed another like six women. I just was just like ticking it off, ticking it off. Like, and my, I wanted to race it. And so like Liz had said, like you can race. Like, so I did, I think, I don't even know what my official time was. I think it was around 640. And so you might look at that and I don't know where that is in the ranks, but like, what? You can't be competitive with a 640 finish. Yeah, you can. You can be competitive with a nine hour finish. You can be competitive with an eight hour finish. It's about me doing my absolute best on the day. So 
Around <clears throat> mile 10, which was past aid station two, I started to like be like, whoa, like something, something switched. It, it definitely was the essence of it was going so well until, until it didn't. Like it was like a, a switch flipped and all of a sudden hip flexors, which I never feel, hip flexors started like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, um, I have amazing feet that love to give me feedback uh, to remind me that I'm alive. And so that was happening early. But I was like, okay, you know, I'm not the body. And with this Airbnb that we have has these two recliners. And it was funny because BJ and I have been sitting in the recliners and I, I don't really have much lazy boy experience in my life, <laughs> but um, they're pretty cool. Like you can really, what I've been loving about them is like pushing way back and then your legs are elevated. And I said to BJ the other night when we were watching 16 Candles, I was like, these things make you lazy. Like I don't even want to get up and go to the bathroom right now. And I was like, oh my God, lazy boy. So I had this vision of myself. It was like right into the center of my core. It wasn't like my heart. It wasn't, it was just like my core. I had this vision of myself the whole time, like chilling in my lazy boy with my hands up behind my head and just like being really kind of just like what I was watching a movie. So going back to Crow, what really resonated with me was like, I can have that mental state of contentment. And that wasn't something that I needed effort to attain yesterday. It was just the natural state, just like the wheels falling off was the natural progression of my body. Um, that I felt like I was watching a movie. Like there was no mental trouble whatsoever. There was no complaint. There was no disappointment. There was no worry. There was no nothing. I was just like, Whoa, look at this body. And it was reminding me like human law, the body is not our limitless part. But that vision of, of me and the lazy boy, that's the limitless part. That's the, that's the part that just kind of chills and watches everything happen. And so some visualization I was using was, yeah, the lazy boy, but then the, the, the lazy boy. Um, I was seeing myself with like, not even within my physical body, even beyond bigger than my physical body as this like light being. And I could see kind of this um, breaking down of the physical. It was pretty cool. It was very engaging. Um, the other thing is uh, Liz does this too, but we follow a numerology calendar that every day is a different color and it's based on our birth date. We get it from um, through my meditation teacher. And yesterday was Green Day, which is efficiency day. And, it, and, the, and it's... Today is a day to get down to business with your focus and attention. And if you stay focused and organized, you will feel very productive today. So it was like the organized was I was coming into the aid stations with my bottles out of my out of my pack, tops were off, I was ready to get refueled. So I I went light yesterday because they carried goo roctane on the course, which is amazing, and you know, goo gel. So that's what I use. So I just had two bottles um, and yeah, I mean, I pushed to the end and I was still competitive. So when I left aid station three, which was mile 13, um, bef even before that, probably like a mile before that, Daniel it was so resonating with me when you were telling the story because I could hear the girls coming and these girls that I passed, I, I knew some of them and I like never expected to catch them or pass them. 
So I was already like, oh boy, like you're up level in progress right now because you just passed this girl that that's interesting that you passed her. But I could hear them in those switchbacks, you know, and I would turn around, but I couldn't see them. But I could hear them coming and I was like, oh, and I knew they were competitive. One of the girls was training for Western States and she was out there to race. And um, and so anyway, I got to 13 and like, I think one wheel like fell off and rolled down the hill. You know, I was like, okay, well, that's one part of my body I'm not going to be able to have. And, um, and they were, as I was leaving, which was, it was not as you guys described where you guys took off out of aid station 13, like I was literally like that light being was like, come on, body, let's go. Come on, girl. You're doing so good. Let's do this. You're doing so good. I love you, body. I just kept saying that. I love you, body. I love you. I love you. You're so amazing. You're just, wow, you are just so miraculous. I'm so grateful for you. Like, you're doing so good. You're doing so good. And the girls were coming up the climb and like, I looked and they were like, oh, hey, you know, there you are again. I was like, but then there was that ego that was like, I don't like I don't like being passed. Like when I pass, I want to pass with a surge and I want to put that gap in and I don't want to get caught. And I was getting caught. So I was like, okay, well, what's going to get in the way of that? Like that's going to be pride and that's an energy sucker. So just let them go because I had no other choice. Like I was doing everything I could and I was just pushing these super slow miles, not super slow, but not fast. But I did the best I could, and I just uh, I just hung on. I literally hung on from it started to show itself around mile ten, and then uh, definitely at thirteen, uh, and then I was down like in what I call like that Fern Gully area, and all of a sudden I hear. Jessica Gumkowski. And I was like, it was Laura on our team. And I was like, how did you get behind me? Because this girl is fast. And she was like, I went off course. I'm already at like 22 miles. And um, and she just came through and I was in an ebb, right? So uh, ebbing and flowing, right? So flowing is like you're surfing the waves and ebbing is like where like you're trying to surf the waves, but the waves are just catching you. Like my body was in an ebb at that point. I had, I had just tripped and slid and fell and I was a little bloody and everything. And I, I was just like, okay, like the first, it was a great fall. I was like, thank you so much. That was an amazing fall. Like everything is good. Just get up, took a couple steps, shook off the trauma and then started running again. And I heard Laura and she went by and she looked so good and strong. And I was like, just go by me. And then um, another one of the girls caught me, Dominique from Hillsburg Running Company. And um, she was in front of me. She was awesome. We had just met the day before when we were in Hillsburg. And um, so she was in front of me and she knew I was going through a tough time. And it was kind of like, her and then Joaquin, who's Aurora's partner on our team, um, leading up to aid station four. I could hear he was like, hey, Jess. And I turned around and he was there. So we were kind of making our way up. And I was like, okay, these guys are my carrots. Like, I need to just stay with them. Like, stay in this light being. The body's going to follow. It has to. It has to follow. Uh, go as hard as you can. Every time you can. When they run, you run. Um, run every uphill you can run. And it was, you know, and also try and keep, I kept ha- having Sally McRae and my heart up, heart up. Like, get your heart up. Don't start bending over. Get your heart up. Like run as as best you can. And and um, saw Liz and Clark, which was at aid station four, which I was just dying to get there to see somebody. And uh, Liz was awesome. Handed her like my bottle tops. Handled my bottles off uh, while they got refilled. Give Clark some love. Took in Coke. 
because I did that at Aid Station 4, I saw the Coke. I know Aid Station 3, I saw the Coke. Aid Station 4, I saw the Coke. And Aid Station 5, I saw the Coke. So (laughs) I was coking it up. Um, I was like, I'm going to get coked up. Let's do it. And um, so left that Aid Station. Actually felt pretty good. It was like, okay, we're flowing again. We're flowing. Felt pretty good on that road. Um, Ran with Dominique on that road. Um, And then her, we caught up to Joaquin. And then we all started down, which you bypassed the the waterfall this year. Um, Stayed with them. They were gapping me a little bit, but I could still see them. Was on the campground road, which I knew mentally was like, I was locked into that. I was fine with that because I knew that feels like, I knew what to expect. And there was another girl who was with me who was having a really tough time and she was trying to stay with me and she was breathing heavy and like I could tell she was just in a lot of sensation and, and she was worried about her friend. So we had a little bit of an exchange, which um, I saw her after the finish line sh- and she just was, she just said, thank you for your kindness out there. Like she was, she was amazing. Like she, I think she, to to see what she was doing from my perspective was probably way more than she was giving credit to herself. Like she was staying with me. And every time we got somewhere, she was coming into the aid station. She kind of stayed with me uh, as best she could, kind of like how I was staying with Joaquin and Dominique. And then got to the, uh, fell again. Actually, the earth fell away. Um <laughs> No, I didn't fall. It was just one of those places along the bluff where my foot hit and the earth fell away and and I fell and I was like, okay, thank you. That's awesome. Like I didn't go with the earth. Okay, that's good. Then I rolled my ankle. So I was getting messy out there, but it was the best ankle to roll. It was, I was like, that's awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Shake off the trauma. Let's go. And uh, so I was messy out there. Then I got to the rope. And, um, you know, lost my footing, swung into the briars, and then I was hanging from the rope with one hand as it was, like, shearing up, like, all my body weight. I'm like, why? I thought, in that moment, I thought, I should definitely be able to do a pull-up. And um, was pulling the briars out of my arm as I'm hanging from this, this rope, and then got myself back on track, and then someone else got on the rope, which I don't know if you guys experienced that, but that's a nightmare when somebody else gets on the rope and you're on the yes. rope. And then go around, and then you just see the the wet, rocky, like cliff that you have to go down. Um, backwards. Backwards. But there was somebody at the base, and I almost feel like those guys were there for you because there wasn't anybody at the base in 2019. Mm. No. There was nobody there, and so he was there. And I just said to him, I said, "I'm 113 pounds, so if anything goes wrong, I'm going to push off the rock." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I gotcha." He's like, "I've caught people heavier than you today." I'm like, "Okay, here I go." So anyway, got down and then hand over foot, climbing up the other side um, and uh, got to the headlands and was super prepared to get in the trough, but there was less headland running this year, less in on the trail, probably by 50%. Oh, so wow. running on the road and a woman came past me on the road and I just, there, I had nothing. Like I, I was going as hard as I could and she just came through. I had never even seen her. I was like, where have you been all day? Like you weren't in the group of women. Um, so she was just, she was stealthy coming up from behind. Uh, yeah. And, uh, hit that end. So you, then you hit the headlands and I agree, Daniel, it always seems like so much longer cause you can see the beach, but you do all this nonsense of, you know, in and out and around. And then you go down the stairs and I knew straight shot, straight shot to that trail, across which is which means all deep sand running 
and got up onto that and then just emptied the tank as best I could. And as Liz commented, I'm very verbal. So <laughs> I'm very audible when I'm coming I in. Love I'm making it. I all. Love it. I do. I mean, it's just, it's everything. Um, and so that was it. That was everything I had on the day. I feel really good. I, and I feel like the whole purpose of yesterday to, was to experience the deep contrast of the physical body versus the mind and the connection that I have with something greater that I can hear, taste, touch, smell, or feel. And that is the part of me that got me to the finish because it was so hard to keep running. It was so hard to keep running. But um, but the goal was to get to the finish line as fast as possible. So walking wasn't going to get me there. And, um, and, and in fact, it was just... Once you started running, you just got into some kind of groove, you know, where you could where you could do it, and um, and that's me, and that's how I race, and and I love to be competitive, and I'm not ashamed to say that I can be competitive at whatever finish time is because it's it's the essence of the experience that I'm having, and another message of Crow is just like really having the courage to be who you are and to speak your truth, and that I do have a lot of passion about things, and to not dim that light. Um, even, even if, even if people don't appreciate, um, or are ready for what I'm saying, um, you know, we're not the physical body. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are vibrational beings living in a vibrational universe. And at some point we're all going to get on board with that in this lifetime or another. And I am not stepping back from that message. And we do have the ability to be the masters of our mind. We do have the birthright to live a life of joy, to live the life we desire. We are not here to punch a clock and be miserable. Um, life is too short. And um, it can be taken in an instant. It could be taken from me today. I don't know. Um, so to really cultivate an attitude of gratitude is everything. If, if you are done with highs and lows and ebbs and flows, you know, your experience within that, then begin training the mind. Um, because the purpose of all yoga practice is to make the mind tranquil within all life circumstance. And I think that that was the purpose of yesterday to see that I have, at least yesterday, had attained that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did I have a PR? Yeah, I did. I think I had, a, I, yeah, 50K PR yesterday too. <laughs> All the contrast, she still had a PR. So just want to add that in. Yeah. We did too. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was your first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Laura had a PR and Karen had a PR and yeah. had almost a two hour PR. What? That's amazing. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. Just amazing. So impressed. Um, let's wrap this up because we're already yeah. over an hour. Can I just add in how fun it was to get to spectate? Oh, yeah. And the whole team being out there and being out mm. there to cheer everybody on. And I would like to say that um, spectating is an endurance sport because my whoop, I was almost at 19 for my effort. Like my effort. I was overreaching. So um, it was so fun to be at the, just be out there and even helping. That's It's my vibe to be out there helping people. A couple people came by. The aid station came back in. I'm like, what's going on? I was able to help. It was just so fun to be out there for everybody. Help just with their bottles. And I did miss BJ at aid station four. He was just too fast. 
Um, I felt you there, though. Yeah. I felt like <laughs> I, I was when I we were shot, on our way. I shot out of Aid Station Four, and a car was rolling up slowly behind me. I saw Liz this, and I was like, "I feel like that's Liz. I feel like she's coming. She saw me come out, and she, but it wasn't Liz. But I felt, but I felt the energy. I felt awesome. your presence there. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was so cool to be out there with the team. Like I ran with Aurora and Karen at the beginning. And uh, it was just amazing. Just there was, there was this one moment where the three of us were running, just three abreast across the across the trail, and none and nobody was talking. And it was funny because in my mind I was like, oh, I just want to point out how awesome this is that nobody's talking. But I was like, then you'd be talking, so don't say anything. It was just, it was a really special experience for me. I think it's so powerful to be side by side with somebody like in step and I and I got the privilege of having two of them in step with me in silence. I just think that that's such a beautiful experience. And then um, being with Joaquin uh, towards the end and just trying to keep him as best I could in my sight. And um, and he was uh, so wonderful to be out there. And, and actually at the beginning, I could hear Norbert, who's Pam's husband behind us on the trail, and just knowing the people I love and, and, uh, and connect with so deeply, people who are on a similar mission to us were out there. And we were, I just felt it the whole time. And then you two, um, Daniel and BJ, I just kept thinking about, I was running in your footsteps and I was running in the footsteps of all those who came before me and how beautiful. And, uh, and especially at the end in the deep sand, I could see the footsteps of everybody who had put out the effort to get across that beach and all those miles. And it's just something to really marvel at. A really amazing day. Yeah, amazing job, you guys. It was really great to just see the yogi triathlete way mm-hmm. out there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Thanks yeah. for coming out. You and your daughter. It was awesome <laughs> to see you guys, but it was great to have you out there on the course. Oh, thanks. It was great to be out there with you guys. It was uh, just to have all the coaches together too, like all four of us and Linda, uh, who we never get to see. Um, we were just all together. And it, there were brief moments, but it, it's just so much appreciation and gratitude for what we're doing here at Yogi Triathlete and what we can share with um, the endurance community. Awesome. And thanks for taking care of Clark all day yesterday, Liz. Oh, it was fun. It was our pleasure. (laughs) All right. Peace. Out. 